right. Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation. We're in chapter 22, verse 15. We've only got a few verses left in this chapter. Uh, <laughs> we've been in here a long time, and we've jumped around a bit, so we haven't been in it the whole time, but uh, I've been trying to you know, finish it, and I'm looking so forward. I was just talking to my son, Josiah. He's really looking forward to it, too, because he was saying that the book of James is his favorite book, and I was able to spend some good time with him recently, and, and I'm excited because we're going to go to the book of James. That's one of the things we cover this year, and, and uh, not just cover it, not saying we're done with it this year. We're going to do a few different things. We're going to go through the armor of God in one series as well, which I think is very important. Uh, but the book of James is so just practical. It's where the, you know, gets the cookies on the table, where the rubber meets the road. Challenges, get ready to get challenged, but hey, if we're going to follow Christ, we're going to be challenged, amen? And that's the book of James. It challenges us to be more like the Lord and what, what that looks like. It's the Proverbs of the New Testament. So a lot of different things going on in James. It covers so many issues, so it's a really fun book to go through as well. Uh, Revelation 21, 15, or 22, I'm sorry, 15, last chapter of your Bible, last chapter of the book of Revelation, uh, and it's just a very, very sad verse. I look at verses 14, I love, I praise God. I love verse 15 too, but it's a sad verse. And verse 15, 14 says, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life. Paradise restored, amen. It's through having our robes washed, being washed in the blood of Christ. And that's a euphemism for, the, 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 you know, speaking of our lives, our robes is, is who we are and who, you know, being cleansed by the blood of Christ, that they may enter in or enter by the gates into the city. Amen. We all want to be in, in New Jerusalem. And keep in mind, I mean, first, you know, we're living here. The Lord returns, second coming. Uh, at the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 19, after the tribulation, Christ comes for his bride. His bride is made ready, verses 5 through 9. Jesus comes back. We reign with Christ for a thousand years from Jerusalem. After that period of time, and Satan has been locked up for a thousand years. He's let loose, it says very clearly, in Revelation for a short time. Uh, and then, uh, but we're reigning with Christ. We have resurrected bodies. You don't have to be concerned about persevering at that time. You're already in these resurrected bodies. Amen. You know, right now is our time of probation and our time to make a choice. And, but after that, Satan's let loose for a short time and he gathers uh, the people that, the offspring of those who went into the millennial period with natural bodies. And they're just destroyed by the Father with fire from heaven. And then, the, then there's a great white throne judgment Everybody is, is, that doesn't know Christ, that rejected the Lord, uh, they're judged, uh, sent to the lake of fire. The books are open. Uh, they're judged out of the, their, for their works. But, and if their names aren't found in the book of life, they're thrown in the lake of fire. Then there's a new heaven and a new earth that's created. And New Jerusalem we've been reading about in chapter 21 and 22. It's pretty awesome, amen? We went through this study on heaven and so forth. And then New Jerusalem flows down to the earth, and we are there forever. But outside the city, verse 15, outside are the dogs. And I mentioned to you that some people say the dogs means this, the dog means that. And I personally, uh, and I can, there's merit for views. You can't be dogmatic and say, I don't think I said specifically this. One commentator, who's a really good commentator on the book of Revelation, he believes it refers specifically to male prostitutes. And, uh, and that's based on, uh, you know, when, when I gave you the connections between uh, at the end of chapter 21, it deals with those who practice abominations won't enter the city. And then you put that with dogs here, and you put the two together, and you go to the Old Testament, it talks about male prostitutes 
uh, and how what they do is an abomination and their wages shall not be brought to the temple. So that, that could be speaking specifically of male prostitutes, it's possible, but I believe because the word, and I'm not gonna go through a review of the entire message last week because we looked a lot at the dogs, but uh, is the dogs refers to various people that won't inherit the kingdom in the Old and the New Testament. And we saw it refers to false teachers, mostly, usually when it's used uh, as metaphorically, it's used to false teachers. Uh, and now keep in mind, no teacher is going to be absolutely perfect. So we're not talking about false teachers that, or teachers that teach some false things that we would say, hey, we disagree with that, but they're still Christians, amen? And, but we're talking about false teachers who are actually teaching heresies that will damn people's souls, you know, denying that Jesus Christ is Lord, denying that he is the Christ denying that he is the son of the father, you know? Uh, although there are other, other teachers that are teaching things that are false, that are very serious still, and that's why we have to deal with them, uh, because they can still have bad fruit in our lives. But we need to uh, make sure we understand that, 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 that also when we disagree with people that are in the faith, that we, that we hey, you know, we disagree on the time of the rapture, right? Or disagree on election, you know, or something like that. We gotta love our brothers, amen? We still got to love them. We can disagree as family members if we're uh, disagreeing at what time dad's going to come home. But it's very dangerous because guess what? If we leave to meet him in the middle of the city and, there's, and he warns about all these dangers and we think he's coming earlier than he is, we wanna, we're going to be passionate about what we say, amen? But let's not use that passion against the person. When we talk about doctrine, we're trying to rescue people from believing false things, amen? So don't have an elitist attitude either because what if you find out later what you believe is in an area is wrong? You want to be loved, Amen? You want to love people that disagree with you, amen? Don't have an elitist mentality. Don't have a mentality that you're better than people because guess what? You could have learned something different or you could have, you know, you could have just missed something and you maybe are now, you know? So we need to study to show ourselves approved, amen? Let's love everybody, but let's also recognize the scriptures mention, you know, when Jesus is talking about false prophets that come in sheep's clothing, he calls them wolves, which is a kind of dog, same species. Uh, just when Noah didn't take, you think, man, how did Noah get the Chihuahua, the Great Dane, the Doberman Pinscher, the wolf, and all? The, well, he probably had one little dog, or two little dogs, I'm sorry, right? And then from those dogs came all these other dogs, you know? So that's happened with a lot of different species that with, are within their kind to one degree or another. But it's important that we also understand the word dogs there, it's, it's, it's got a strong reference in Second T Peter, which we went to, about going back to your vomit, like a dog and lapping it up, you know? So I believe, and, and, that, and it says, it'd be better that they had not believed than after having believed to return, you right? Go back to their vomit and so forth and after having been washed, being like the pig that goes back to the mud. So we don't want to be a dog in a lot of ways, amen? We want to stick to Jesus. But then uh, it's interesting, blessed are those who wash their robes, but then outside, it's contrast, outside of the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons, and the murderers, and the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. Now, it's interesting because when you look at this text, the next thing on the list, three things I want to draw your attention to, uh, and, and look at all three of these to a degree, uh, and mainly one, because he says, and the sorcerers. And now, that word is pharmakeia there. It's pharmacus, pharmacon, it's, it's they're all cognates, and they're used. That word pharmakeia, and it's, it's cognates, it's relative words, pharmacus, and so forth, are used five times in the New Testament, but four times in the book of Revelation. 
That's indicative, I believe, that he is what? There, it's concentrated to the end times. That there'll be an emphasis. Because like murder is all over the scripture condemned, right? Throughout the New Testament as well. Uh, even if it's an attitude you have like in 1 John where you hate your brother as in Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. It, but when you look at pharmakeia, it's only used one other time in the New Testament outside of Revelation. And that's in Galatians 5, 19 through 21 of one of the sins of the flesh of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yet yeah, it's used four times in the book of Revelation indicating that this is going to be a very huge problem in the end of days. And by the way, what word do you think we've got from uh, pharmakeia? pharmacy, pharmaceuticals. And in Revelation chapter 18, verse 23, I believe, it warns that the merchants, the, the, the movers, financial movers of the earth, God will judge them because it's through their pharmakeia that they deceive the nations of the world. You look at drug cartels. Now, I'm not using pharmakeia in the sense of any drugs that you, oh no, I just picked up a prescription. I can't believe this. No, I'm not saying that, okay? Although I'm not, not saying that either. You have to be discerning, amen? Because if you're taking drugs that really alter your state of consciousness and open you up to the spiritual world and so forth, you, you, each person has to take this before the Lord, amen? And so, because the word pharmakeia is used in a f few different ways in, the, in, in ancient history at this time period. It was used positively of simply, uh, you know, the, the Bible says that God gave the leaves for the healing of the nations, Amen? And it's used of, of, of healing remedies that actually heal, actually work. You can, to this day, uh, how many have used, you know, some cactus, right? Aloe vera, or, right? I mean, I remember one time I got a scratch. Ooh, I just went out somehow. I got a scratch, and uh, I was a little bit of blood and stuff. And I was, like, driving with my wife, you know. She, like, tried to tear my face. And, no, she didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I think I was like taking out the trash or something. I got a little scratch. And I'm like, man, uh, it, but it wasn't bad, but it was, you know, not bleeding all over the place. I'm like, man, I wish I had some olive oil. And we actually, I actually took her, I don't know if anniversary or what, but it was like a, we don't typically eat Italian food. I love Italian food, but can't, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> as far as that, uh, puts weight on you real quick usually. So, but we're sitting there and they put us way in nestled in the back in the garden area. And I was like, and there was an olive oil plant. And I just scratched a little off and just stuck it on there. And like the next day, it was like almost gone. I'm like, wow, you know. So uh, pharmacaea could be used of, you know, so, something that's healthy for you. But it was also used of hallucinogenic or mind-altering drugs. And it was also used of poisons, okay? People that made poisons and people that made drugs. The early church fathers talk about how they had mixed these, the, the, the pharmacaea, the drugs in a cauldron. And it would open people to spirits. Well, that's happening today, ayahuasca and various drugs. But there's a certain way it's used here. And I believe in Revelation, it's being used of, uh, in the native way because the early church and even the Old Testament. Old Testament's written in Hebrew, right? But it's in interesting because when you look at the Old Testament, the word witchcraft, sorcery, uh, when it was translated into Greek, in the Septuagint before Jesus even came on the scene. The apostles and Jesus used the Greek Septuagint because the world, a lot of the civilized world spoke Greek. So they used a Greek translation at times when they quote the scripture. And they would, uh, so that Greek translation over and over again translates witchcraft and sorcery with the Greek word pharmakeia. So it's used over and over again in the Old Testament. And I don't want to get into 
the, the, which is very important because the big problem we have today with the legalization in many, or a bunch of states, right? Not on the federal level yet, but of even marijuana, which if you look it up, it's a, it's a, it's a hallucinogen. It's narcotic, but it's a hallucinogen still. And uh, I've got stuff I prepared for this particular verse. Uh, not stuff that I prepared, meaning herbs and hallucinogens, but scripture to bring to you and some history that really is eye-opening. And we're not going to look at that today. That's hopefully going to be next week or so, Lord willing. But I want to look at another way that's super pertinent to what's going on in the world, not in regard to taking illicit drugs, mind-altering drugs, drugs that open you up to mystical experiences, which is the rage right now. Not in Hollywood, all kinds of people are going to, you know, you know, South America and so forth to um, take ayahuasca and taking DMT, LSD, all kinds of things everywhere. And I opened myself up to the demonic world through those drugs. So I opened myself up to the demonic world. It's very, very real. But there's another way it's used, which fits the context as well, that, that should really rattle us and think, man, this is a wake-up call of how serious this is before God because it's something that you, some of you might have done and I'm not talking about hallucinogenic drugs even, but we'll get into that in a moment. And you know people that are, perhaps, and that we need to reach people with and love them and say, hey, this is on the forbidden list, man. This is on the vice list of those who will not enter the holy city. Of those, same verse, same words used in Revelation 21.8, of those who go to the lake of fire. Now, it's interesting because when you look at 22.15, outside of the dogs and the sorcerers, and the immoral persons. Okay, now immoral persons right there. Uh, you might put, if you write in your Bible, you might put sexually immoral. Because it's for the word proneo. And unfortunately, and I love the NASB 1995 version. We've been using it for years. It's such a really good version, translation. But we're not dogmatic on what translation is yeah, sort of the best. Because the NIV is good translation, but it's, it's more you know, thought for thought than word for word. It's very good. You've heard me say that. I'm not one of those guys that demonizes every other translation that I use because I, I see the mirror and I love the King James. Most of my verses I've memorized through the years is, is in the King James because I first Bible I had was a King James Bible and it's very mem easy to memorize. I love the King James because the, the language is hard to understand sometimes, but it's memorable because it's a little archaic. So I, I like the King James a lot of ways, but uh, it doesn't rely on some of the best manuscripts. Uh, but the NASB right here, it, I, I wish they wouldn't have translated it just immorality. Because if you look at the NIV, if you look at the English Standard Version, which is a very popular version, if you look at the New Living Translation, if you look at the New King James Version, they'll all translate it sexually immoral. Sexually immoral. And by the way, the, the new NASB, which just came out, I think a year or so ago, it translates it sexually immoral. Okay? which we may eventually switch to that, but there's strengths and weaknesses. A strength of the new NASB is it translates that one right. It gets it better, I think, because the word porneo, usually, especially in this context, deals with more than just any kind of immorality, but sexual immorality. Now, this is telling, because look at, look at where that word falls. Outside of the dogs, which could be referring to male prostitutes and other dogs, false teachers, apostates, backsliders, Blessed are the, uh, I'm sorry, outside of the dogs and the sorcerers, those who use pharmacaea, and the sexually immoral persons, and the murderers. It's interesting. This is what's interesting to me, is when you look at the other vice list in the book of Revelation, you get a tie-in between 
these three words together. Every time we read a vice list, which is in Revelation 9, 20 and verse 21, it says they didn't repent of there. It gives a list. It mentions these words together, sexually immoral, uh, sorcerers, and murders. When you go to Revelation 21.8, it mentions these three together, the sexually immoral, the murderers, and those who use pharmacaea. And right here in 22.15, it uses the same three words together. So it's quite interesting to me there. Because on one hand, contextually, when you read the book of Revelation, when you see murderers, you're seeing that the book ties together, and there's a big problem with murder in the end times, right? In fact, who's getting murdered in the end times? Raise your hand, us. Even though in Jesus, you know, we may die and go see before that happens, you know, a lot of generations have, but there will be a generation that faces it. Could be us, could be our children. With the march toward globalism, I'm not sure why I'm going in and out today. You guys know why? It's just kind of a weird thing, huh? But you guys are still follow, right? Praise God. I mean, Jonathan, he's the one, he helps us sound good, okay? <laughs> he doesn't have, he's not tinkering, it's just weird. But uh, as long as you follow me. Anyway, so it's crazy when you think about it because on one hand, because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, like verses 9 through 13, he said, they'll deliver you up to tribulation and you'll be hated by all nations because of my name and you will be killed. So Jesus prophesied Christianity would spread throughout the planet. Bingo, right? There's not a whole lot more countries to cover, you know? It's getting closer that way. And then when the gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world's witness to all the nations, then he said the end will come, right? The end's gonna come after Jesus reaches, you know, everybody and praise God through the tribulation period because there's mass martyrdom going on. We have this really cool angel that preaches the everlasting gospel that Satan can't stop, right? Which is pretty cool. That's in Revelation 14. But you guys, when that murder, mass murder goes on, uh, Jesus said in verses, I think around 20 and 21 of Matthew 24, a little bit later, he says, there'll be such great tribulation that nothing will compare it to be before or after. That's why people that say, oh, it already happened, it's ridiculous on so many fronts, but that's one of them. Because what happened is just before, in 70 AD was nothing, not, nothing compared to even World War II, you know? I mean, it was something. There were a lot of people killed, but it was paled by the comparison of what happened in World War II, where you had like, you know, over 50 million people killed, including 6 million Jews, right? Only a million or so people were killed in, in 70 AD. And some people say it already happened, the tribulation period. Nuh-uh. Anyway, listen, this is important that we understand this, is that the scriptures talk about how, and then it goes on to say right after that, if Jesus didn't return, he said, no life would be saved on the planet. Now we have weapons of mass destruction, right? That couldn't have happened back then. But now, you know, the world's in turmoil. They're worried about, you know, communist China, Soviet Union, or former Soviet Union, Russia. And those guys worry about us, right? And everybody's got, you know, weapons of mass destruction pointed at each other. So, but during the tribulation period, guys, there'll be just, and, and we already see a hatred. Do you see a hatred for, you know, it's funny. Hollywood doesn't even seem to hate Muslims. Isn't that weird? Even though they would call for the heads of, of the homosexuals that are making movies. Not, it's not just homosexuals making movies. There's, you know, uh, people that are, have all kinds of lifestyles in, in Hollywood. But I'm saying the homosexuals are targeted by Muslims. We love, praise God, we pray for those who are involved in any kind of sexual sin. Amen. We love them. We want them to come to Christ. Amen. We don't want them to oh, take their heads off. But we're the enemy because we disagree with the lifestyle. And it's just interesting. There's a spirit in the air says Satan is a prince in the power of the air, the spirit that works through 
the children of disobedience. So there's this collectivist thought against Christians, and we bring our faith throughout the world, you know, seeking to witness the lost and bring people to Christ. And we're hated uh, because of Christ's name. He says, if they hated me, the master, how much are they going to hate you? That's prophesied too. And so we see it. And there's a growing anti-Semitism. Isn't that interesting? Which the Bible prophesies as well. So these are things that are all on our radar, uh, scripturally speaking, but in the end, uh, now, you know, Christians have been, you're like, well, we're pretty safe. Well, in America, do you realize the United States of America is an anomaly? Australia is kind of an anomaly. A lot of countries throughout, the, most countries in the world have great persecution of Christians from time to time. And that's what happened to the early Christians. But when the world becomes more global and there's a march toward globalism, anybody been following about what's going on in Davos right now? You know, we got Jim, or, you know, John Kerry saying, you know, that uh, we're the saviors of the world. And, you know, and it's really, we've been selected as few to, to, to you know, bring, you know, save the world. And, and it's like really strange. It's like we have this extraterrestrial help and stuff. And, you know, what he insinuates that. I'm like, yeah, you kind of do. Not aliens, but fallen angels, some of you, because it says the fallen or the demonic beings will bring the world together in the end. Now, check this out. This is where it gets really, really crazy is when you think about the persecution that's coming, God's letting them know because they cry out under the fifth seal in Revelation chapter six. Under the fifth seal, the saints, the souls who are under the altar, those are those who are beheaded because they didn't take the mark of the beast. And by the way, you know how Muslims kill people? You lose your head. And a lot of that persecution is going to happen right there in Israel. That's why Jesus talked about those who Judea flee. Is This is what's interesting. Is They cry out. They say, how long, O oh God, until you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Because it's going to go to a point where they're, they're like, how come you're letting this go on, Lord? How long? God has a plan. He says, wait till they fill up the measure. These people, they're killed like you were. You know? Not every Christian will be killed, by the way. And that's a whole other thing. I can't deviate too much on that because I, I want to stay focused. But there'll be a lot of murder, but though those who are alive and remain to the end will be caught up to be with the Lord in the air. Amen? That means there will be those who are caught up. Praise God. Amen? That may or may not be if it was to happen in our lifetime. But he says, how long? And they're given white robes. And they're told to rest a little while until your brethren are killed like you were. So they're waiting. And now, now guess what? The judgment's coming. But... We don't want to see people who are alive that are murdering people. And by the way, this is crazy because I've worked on this message and I woke up this morning. Actually, I think it was like four or five in the morning. I woke up at three in the morning. But at four or five in the morning, I looked at the news to break away from my studies. And I saw, wow, mass shooting, you know, 10 dead right here in Monterey, California. Monterey Park, you know, Alhambra area, right? And uh, the fugitive is still at large. And I'm like, man, we just live in this crazy world that's going more and more berserk. People are at a ball, a, a dance, celebrating the lunar year, the new year for, you know, their new year. And boom, this mass shooting takes place. I thought, man, it's so heartbreaking because the, my focus had been, you know, that morning until I, I clicked, I go, man, I'm studying this right now. And uh, it's just heartbreaking. But do you know what the most dangerous or the deadliest cities in America are? The deadliest cities in America. Where's the most deadly place to live in America? Chicago? You know what? I was surprised, you know, and, and a list I looked at briefly, and it is, and it, this list could be wrong, but it's Dayton, Ohio. It was like a 
30-page article. I just scanned it. And it was top 65 going all the way down to the last, the, the top five. It went in reverse. And the last five were Dayton, Ohio, number five. Four was Detroit, Michigan. Uh, number three, Birmingham, Alabama. Number two, uh, Baltimore, Maryland. And number one was St. Louis, Missouri. If that's, yeah, I know, isn't that crazy? And I thought, is that a spoof list? Because I didn't think of St. Louis, Missouri, you know. Unless the numbers were that way. But then I thought, well, when you got Detroit on there and Baltimore on there, that's, you know, it's probably not reversed. So, but if someone finds an updated list, because that's the first list I looked at, and I thought, you know, it's just because it's not my main point, uh, the list was legit whenever it was made, probably, and it's probably legit today, today unless we find out it is Chicago, number one or so. You always hear Chicago. Sometimes there's a lot of murders in a concentrated area that's not as big as another area, though. You know, and there's a lot of gang violence in a very concentrated area, so you get some more news. But I think it's interesting. These are not the, these are not the deadliest places to live in America. You know where the deadliest place to live is in America? These are all of our, any list you come up with is going to be wrong. You're close. You're being, you're being, uh, that's interesting, Joseph, because it's close to the right answer, is in your mother's womb. Isn't that crazy? By far and away. Which is really sad to me because God is incredibly pro-life. In fact, he makes that womb. It's, it's, it's like, it, it's miraculous. And if somebody say, well, they, they, they differentiate between, you know, creation and then special miracles. But for me, even creation's a miracle. I mean, it's created by God, right? So even the natural things God has made are miraculous, and that's especially miraculous, is, I mean, when you look at what happens to bring forth a baby and all that that goes on there, I heard a guy that specialized in that type of science. That was his field. When I was invited to speak in Israel by Ted Walker and Linda at a pro-life conference, and one of the guys that spoke was a scientist, and that was his entire field of dealing with, and he gave a whole thing on I was like, this is such a blow mine, man. Not an accident, right? But you know, the, the, that womb is so protective of the baby, in the name of this message, because it's Sanctity of Life Sunday, and it fits with my verse perfectly, 2215, because it deals with murder, is, and, we, we, and this is about standing for life. In the name of the message is defending, defending the babies, you know? Defending the babies. Because that womb, did you know a lot, women who get cancer while they're pregnant, can you imagine? But they, need, they, they take chemo because that's their only chance, perhaps, they think. And did you know mothers who take chemo? At, and that's... You take chemotherapy. I mean, it's not like radiation where you can do it in an isolated spot, right? Chemotherapy you take and it just kills the bad stuff, some of it, hopefully the cancer, but it kills a lot of the good stuff. Your organs can get messed up and kills all kinds of cells. Well, guess what? Almost in every, in most of the time, the baby in the womb is unfazed by chemotherapy. That's a blow mind. And that's, that's God being, showing how he's pro-life, you know, that he's done so much to protect that child. And it's heartbreaking, you know, and I'm trying not to get emotional. I've been emotional lately, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's heartbreaking when you think of what they're doing, you know, what's going on. And by the way, when I just talked about somebody might believe a different doctrine than you or what have you, you love them, man. Well, guess what? A lot of women, I believe, Millions and millions of women who have terminated the, pregnancy, the pregnancies, a lot of them have been victimized by lies, being taught that it's just a you know, ball of cells in their body. Or as some pro-abortionists say, 
it's a, it's, it's a cancer or it's a, it's a parasite, you know. They make it, it's wicked what they've done. And uh, but so I'm not saying there's no culpability at all with, with those who choose abortion, you know. But I'm saying there's levels of culpability compared to the knowledge people have. And there's more and more knowledge coming out, you know, in regard to these are children we're talking about. And it's a very, very important issue. You need to have answers. I mean, I was hanging out with Gerald. We were fellowshipping, uh, was it a few days ago, Gerald? And a gal came up to me and was like, hey, can you pray for me? Can I talk to you privately? And I told Gerald, I said, hey, Gerald, my uh, real nice gal, you know, I, 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 she doesn't go here, but real nice gal, and she, and I've, I've tr- witnessed to her, found out that she's a professing believer and stuff, and, and, uh, and we're talking, and, and she was cheerful. And I said, Gerald, I go, Gerald, I never, I don't, counsel women alone so can you kind of just be there some way but not there and he said yeah you know <laughs> and uh I'm, I'm sorry i'm laughing because he kind of she i got real close at first came up and he goes no i need privacy you know and but it was heartbreak i'm not giving any names out and then my heart goes out for her because her heart was in the right place because she's pregnant but she's being told by the man who got her pregnant you know that he wanted an abortion and she needs to abort it. And she goes, I'm so happy I'm pregnant. And, and there's tears and, and, but she's in the struggle, you know. And I said, do not kill the child. I didn't say, don't kill the fetus. Don't, I, don't kill the child. By the way, the Latin word fetus is, means child, but now it's kind of used as though it's just like a scientific term, meaning ball of cells or whatever they want it to mean. But, and then we talked, I encouraged her and prayed for her and uh, stuff and, and uh, heartbreaking. I'm like, but I had a, I, this is a child in you. This is its, has its own identity, you know. You, you, don't, you can't kill it. You, know, you can't kill the person. I don't know if it's he or she, but you can't kill the baby. And uh, it's important to have answers and realize how serious this is. This is a spiritual war, you guys. I mean, wokeism is all about, you know, we're our own gods. We, this is my body, Right? You know the first woke person was? Satan. Satan? Ah. First woke human was Eve. It's talking about humans. The day you eat, your eyes shall be open. You'll be awake. And you'll realize that you can become God. You don't need him because God's, after all, live forever. You won't, you won't die. It was a lie. She returned to the dust, right? And she was woke. What is, what is abortion all about? This is my body. I'm the one that makes the decision of who lives and who doesn't. It's a lie right from the beginning. And Satan is a liar, Jesus said, John 8, 44. And he was a murderer from the beginning. Amen. And this whole, and Cain, her offspring, kills Abel. Murder begins to just take off from there because people asserted their own divinity. And, but God is incredibly pro-life. In fact, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, one of the Ten Commandments, you shall not what? You shall not murder. You shall not murder. In fact, in Genesis chapter 9, we read, whoever sheds man's blood, whoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in, in the image of God, he made man. Was it wrong to murder? Because, well, Joe, we, we, we swat flies and we can eat chicken. and Well, flies and chickens are not made in the image of God, okay? 
They don't reason like we do. They're not creative like we are. We have dominion over the earth. We reflect God's communicable attributes. Uh, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. Yeah, but that doesn't hold true anymore because we're not under the law of Moses anymore. Was this the law of Moses? That's long before the law of Moses, man. And by the way, in Romans chapter 13, it says that God's given authorities, the governing leaders, to suppress evil, and they, they, they don't carry the sword in vain. Okay, that's New Testament teaching. And now we don't take those things into our hands, you know. There's a lot of people doing a lot of wicked criminal things, that, you know, but we don't go, as Christians, we preach the gospel. But God has allowed there to be, you know, governing authorities. And we love people and try to win them to Christ. But it's easy to be pro-baby killing. Like Ronald Reagan said, he was a pro-abortionist. Then his view changed when he heard a talk against abortion as our California governor. And then he became president, of course. But he said, I noticed that everybody that is for abortion has already been born. You know, that's a, that's a little thing that stuck in my head, you know, uh, that comment. But... Uh, And it's really heartbreaking because what happens is people get defined as though they're less than human. That gives you the right to kill them because people realize intrinsically it's wrong to kill humans, even if they're secular atheists typically, because they realize they don't say, oh, you're in the image of God. And by the way, it's so important as Christians that you teach your children that we're created in God's image and that murder is evil, murder is wrong. And because we're created in the image of God, amen? The Bible does allow for self-defense. I've been going through the book of Exodus recently because I'm going through, trying to go through the Bible in this year from Genesis to Revelation. And in Exodus, there's that scripture. It hit me again. I'm like, yeah, that's uh, in Exodus right there where it says if somebody comes in your home, right, they're, they're, they're breaking in. If you kill them, it says you shall not be held liable. It won't be considered murder. Just like war isn't considered murder. It's, it's defense. If it's a just war, that is. There's unjust wars where you're killing people for their oil or something. That's not just, okay? That's wicked. That's robbery, theft, and murder. So you got to make sure we look at everything from a biblical lenses. But it's interesting, Nazis, they defined the Jews as non-human. Remember that? In the 1940s, over 50 million killed, 6 million Jews, but over 50 million people in that war. Some have the estimates up to 70, 75 million and it, yeah, they, they, yeah they, they treated them as rats, as rodents. They had propaganda videos because, of their, because they weren't Aryan and because of their religion. Oh, and in the 1800s, we Americans were holding slaves. And I, so I say we, I don't mean you. I know the left wants to say it's you because you're a descendant of maybe those people. My, my, a lot of my ancestry emigrated later, so well, I'm, no, we're all guilty of sin, amen? But you should not be held. It says the uh, children's teeth, don't let this be said anymore in Israel. The children's teeth are set on edge because of the sins of their parents. You're not supposed to punish people because of what their parents did, right? Now, at the same time, if there's a bunch of land that's held that was taken wickedly by plantation owners two, three generations back, and you could prove it and who it should really belong to, I'm all for doing that personally. I'd be like, it's justice. But you better, you gotta be clear on these things. So I personally believe that there's certain things that you can say we can make, that we can clearly see this has been injustice and we can write it. When you can see it's an injustice, I believe you should write it personally. But I also recognize that total justice does not come in this world. 
So some people's sins are dealt with now, but others are dealt with in the hereafter, in the book, in Timothy. So, uh, but guess what? Uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and those who aren't, weren't brothers of whatever skin color is white America. A lot of people in white America persecuted black people and enslaved them based on the color of their skin. Kind of what happened to the Jews in the 1940s after that. But they, they treated them as no longer being human beings because they wanted to use them as slaves. So well, how do you get it? How can you kill all these Jews? Oh, well, they're not really human. How can you kill, how can you enslave black people to get a bunch of things done for you because you're too lazy to do it or you want too much that you really can't handle yourself? Oh, you enslave them. Oh, well, they're not human beings. They're our property. Ooh, and now that's just what Satan does with mass abortion. This is my body. And the baby in my body is really just a part of my body. And therefore, I have the right to terminate or kill it. Same thing that happened with the Nazis. Same thing that happened with slavery. Same thing that happens today. And by the way, in the early church period, guess what? You had the right. You could rape or kill your slave in the, in the Roman Empire, often without consequences because they're your property. This is really wicked. And we as Christians need to face these things. And I'm glad we have a Sanctity of Life Sunday. And I thought, wow, it's praise God because I can still preach some of the verses I'm trying to go through and, and, and deal with this issue and this is, this is one, of the over, one of the most important issues, if not the most important. Other than people getting saved, this is the next most important issue, amen, that we deal with. So, but the, the, now, now babies are killed based on where they live. Now, if that baby's born at seven and a half, eight months prematurely, and you took a, knife and stab that baby to death, that would be murder. But if that baby wasn't born mature, prematurely, but it's the same baby at the same age, right? And you stab it to death in the womb, it's legal. Everybody knows that's, that's wrong. Somehow abortionists that are pro-abortion that believe you can even abort the child up to nine months, which are plenty of them, well, what happens is when the baby comes out of the womb, there's magical pixie dust put on the baby and it's given, then it becomes a human being. That's ridiculous. Not that they say that, but I'm saying what is, something magic doesn't happen when the baby comes out. That baby's already been alive in the womb. Amen? So, and, you know, many of you also, we got we to gotta keep our love meter up. How many of us were not pro-life until we became Christians and God opened our eyes? You got to recognize there's a lot of people that are wrong on this issue, but we want to lovingly reason with them. Amen? And bring them over to understand the truth. But we want to take a stand passionately for the lives of these babies and not cower and not speak up for them. Because in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4, verse 11, it talks about, well, you know, judge, whoa, you know, if you don't go and rescue those who are being taken to death. Now, it's interesting. Uh, and perhaps, Jonathan, can you bring up a video? I couldn't find it on YouTube because it, I, this is something I saw this morning too and I thought it was crazy. Because, and it's a video... Uh, if you could type in, I think it was Fox Weather. If you type in Fox Weather and then type in Eagle, watch Eagle Mom and Dad keep their eggs warm during California snowstorm. If you just type in Fox Weather, watch Eagle Mom and Dad, you'll probably find it. But don't play it right away because you have to watch a minute-long commercial, unfortunately. You know, So don't, don't turn it on, just find it. And then if you could cue it up, that would be great. 
You can queue it up anywhere near the beginning because the first 10 seconds isn't real important. Thank you so much, bro. But it's quite crazy because now we've done. Uh, if you could play that, when, let me know when you got it, bro. That'd be great. Thank you. So we've done a lot of videos or things to expose these, a lot of shows, a lot of messages. If, I don't know if you've seen our, our video, uh, They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll, the long version. You know, we show a lot of babies that have been aborted, and there's just uh, a guy I was working with put that together, actually made his own music, and he was, God spoke to him through that, and he came to Christ by working with me on that video, and uh, a guy named Bob, really neat, neat guy, and he said, you mind if I put some music with, when you're showing these pictures, because it's so heart-wrenching, and the music was just, what he came up with was really good, it's like the heartbeat in the background and stuff, and I had uh, Cross TV over there in Florida saying we had to you know, pray about whether we can show this stuff that you have in there on, on babies being aborted. And I compared it to the Holocaust. And he said it was really difficult, he said, because we thought people were going to watch this because they're a broadcasting company too. And, and they asked me if I'd redo They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll because that's all they do is they show things. And they, they got in touch with me and said, Joe, of everything that we show, all of the different programs we have, whenever we show yours, we get the most impact, most response. We want to help you redo it. And that's ended up, they sold their souls. I've made a 10-hour video. I don't think they expect it to be 10 hours long. Uh, but then we condensed it. We have a three-hour version. And he, they called me back, or they told me, Joe, we decided, man, I want to keep. That's in the 10-hour if you haven't seen it. And that's a whole section on that. Because I'm like, I've got people watching this, man. And they're watch, watching what Satan's doing through music and stuff. And, you know, we're not saying there's a demon behind every band and so forth. But there's definitely a spiritual connection with some of these, a lot of these, you know, the guys that we show. But guess what? There's a, something else going on. And right after that came out, before it was advertised, before we made it available, a pastor in Simi Valley let me know Joe, my daughter, he, I mean, his daughter, and he said that, because uh, I gave him an early copy, because I was at the uh, pastor's prayer meeting here in Simi Valley, and I gave those guys an early copy. He goes, my daughter, my daughter's husband saw it, and she was pregnant, sadly, with another man's baby, and they had split up, and He's a biker, and he's telling her, you need to abort that baby. And he said he saw the video, and he said when he saw the abortion section, he called up and said, don't touch that baby. Don't touch that baby. That just blessed my, blessed my heart, you know? So there's all kinds of ways we get out of truth, and we did a video called The Obama Nations because President Obama was teaching the, he was the one senator before he became president on the Senate floor arguing for the Born Alive Infant, against the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, which is the baby's born. You're supposed to be aborted, but lived. He was fighting that you should still be able to kill it right there. Right? Hillary Clinton, up to nine months even. When the baby's nine months, you can drag it out by the feet. Just don't let its head come out the uterus yet because it's not fully born. And then you can stick, you know, a scissors in its head, puncture or break the skull and suck out the brains. And way to go, Hillary. These are the kinds of people that, that you know, call you deplorables, you know. Uh, wow, you know. Pray for them, though. They need Jesus. But also recognize this is a heinous wickedness before the Lord. Heinous wickedness. Now, it's interesting uh, because we are on the front lines. This is a spiritual war that started way back in Eden against humanity and now against the church. Are we close to having that? Okay, thanks. Did you get the right one? They're bald. The eagles are bald. Okay. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> praise God. He, he's on it. He's just trying to get through the commercial probably. But it's interesting because when you, you look at the scripture on this, by the way, and the reason I want to show this is 
when you look at the scripture, life isn't valued anymore, you know? I remember the left was getting all bummed out about beagles being tested, right? That was in the news. They're using beagles, and, and that breaks my heart too. But when it's about killing babies, no big deal. Beagles are so important. They shouldn't ever use beagles in experiments. Oh yeah, killing babies by the millions, that's not a big deal. Something's wrong. But there's a spiritual deception going on, you know? And the word pharmakeia is not just used of hallucinogenic or mind-altering drugs to open people up to the demonic world. It's not just used of healing remedies that could have a positive effect in your life. But it's used for abortifacients. And abortifacients are abortion drugs, which are really popular right now. And I confess, when abortifacients were coming out years ago, and there's these drugs, I'm like, man, it's going to be so hard to stop abortion now because now you just take an abortifacient and you can just poison your baby to death. And I thought that was a new thing. That's not a new thing. I thought that was, wow, look what they've done. That was being condemned in the early church. You can go ahead and play that. That was being done. Thank you, Jonathan, so much. That's the mom, mom and dad eagle. One is already on the eggs, right? Freezing. This is up just a few hours from us over in Big Bear, you know? The Destiny, do you guys have a cabin at Big Bear or Arrowhead? Big Bear. Big Bear. This might be by your house. <laughs> but uh, it says it's by Big Bear Lake. And, and I thought, wow, it's so beautiful. And she's keeping her babies warm who are unborn eagles. She's keeping them warm from the winter because she's protecting them. That's what we should be doing with our children in the womb, amen? And they would fight off anybody that would try to destroy them. And that's just incredible to me because I don't know what the number is now. Last time I looked, if you destroy an eagle egg, you know what, you pay a big fine, at least 500 bucks. And that's, I mean, somebody caught you grabbing an eagle egg up in the nest and just squishing it and killing it. They say, how evil, everybody on the left would be, that's wicked, prison for life, you know, a lot of them. But guess what? Kill a little baby in the womb, made in the image of God, and it's okay. And I love this because she gets off the egg, or he, I'm not sure which is male or female, I couldn't tell. <laughs> I'm not sure what it was on first. I assumed it was the, the, the woman because, and then, you know, he starts, you know, he'll take her spot and he'll tidy up the net and move some things around eventually, and then he'll sit on them. I think eagles are so cool, you know, and they're just such beautiful creatures. But, man, you grab one of those eggs, you destroy it, man, it's a big deal. Man, you do that with a baby, it's legal. It's even celebrated now by a lot of people on the left. And you see, it's really, really heartbreaking because you see a lot of people in the left now when they're doing their march, when they got all upset because... The, the, the Supreme Court didn't say, hey, we're making abortion illegal, even though they tried to make it look like they were doing that. We're putting it to the states and let each state decide. And some people say it's all or nothing. And to me, no, I'm okay with incrementalism. Slavery didn't just go disappear after a while. I mean, all at once. It took increments. So I'll take any victory and say, thank you, Jesus. There's some victory there. Amen. But I'm not one to settle for incrementalism. And that's why, but ultimately, we're waiting for Jesus to return. Amen. So... 
That's cool, bro. Thank you so much, man. Usually I give Jonathan a heads up early on. I'm like, sorry, man, I got to whip this one out. That was a cool video. But uh, abortifacients were used in the first century, and they were used, and guess what? They were classified under pharmakeia. So when the early church used the word pharmakeia, they didn't only use it of drugs that alter your state of consciousness and open you up to demons. They use it also of abortion drugs. In fact, this was a crazy thing that, that blew me away when I was looking through the church fathers on this issue. I was like blown away. I'm like, wow, this became like the first, other than getting the gospel out to the lost, this became the, the, the first big uh, specific social issue. It's not that Christians just jumped on the bandwagon. Christians in the early church period, when the Romans would take their babies that were born alive and they go put them on a wall to die, guess who was rescuing those babies? Christians. When people were getting rid of the elderly and getting rid of people that were sick because they didn't want to get a plague, guess who would take these people in? Christians. And they were hated then too. But they're also recognized. Some wonderful things were said about Christians, but it was very convicting if you're putting your baby in the wall and someone else takes it because you feel bad. The Holy Spirit used that to convict people of sin. Well, guess what else the early church was condemning? The use of abortifacients, the use of pharmakeia, because it was also used, as I said earlier, not just as something, one word doesn't, isn't, it has different meanings, right? It could be used as something that would be healing, it could be used of a, a, a intoxicating drug, or it could be used of a poison. And they were used as poisons. In fact, it's really interesting when you look at this. In fact, when Plato used the term pharmakeia, when Plato used it, he used it to denote uh, artificial drugs for abortion. In fact, the Romans, uh, a lot of the pagans, the Greeks, the Persians, the, the Phoenicians, uh, Socrates, Aristotle, Seneca, they all were fine with pharmakeia being used to destroy babies. But the Christians stood up against it. In fact, it's interesting because here, this is one of the earliest, this is probably, it's considered the earliest Christian writing outside of the New Testament writings. And some dated around 90 AD, before the apostle John was dead. Many dated that. Some dated all the way back to 49 to 90 AD even. Some dated right after the first century. We don't know exactly, but it was circulating the early church. And it was, uh, it was a, a writing, the Didache, was a writing that, it means teaching, the teaching. It circulated the church early on, maybe as late as the early part of the century when John the apostle was still alive, first century. And the Didache, well, it has, listen to what it says. It says, there are two ways. It says a lot of things. There are two ways, one of life and one of death. But there's a great difference between the two ways. The Didache says, and it goes through some of the commandments. And the second commandment of the teaching, you shall not uh, commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit pedestry, I mean child molestation. You shall not commit fornication. You shall not steal. You shall not practice magic. You shall not practice witchcraft. You shall not murder a child by abortion, nor kill what is begotten. You shall not covet the things which belong to your neighbor. You shall not forswear yourself. You shall not bear false witness. Now, the letter of Barnabas is one of the earliest church writings coming right after the Didache. And the letter of Barnabas, which was probably not written by Barnabas himself, it's pseudo, uh, it speaks of also these two ways. And it's interesting. It says, 
uh, the way of light then is as follows. If anyone desires to travel to an uh, appointed place, he must be zealous in his works. The knowledge, therefore, that is given to us is to walk this way is the following. He says, you shall not slay the child by procuring an abortion. Okay? Nor shall you destroy it after it's born. These are some of the earliest Christian writings that were circulating. Right away, they were standing against abortion. And it wasn't just among their own selves. They were saying this to the non-believing Roman world. Take, stick their feet in the ground saying, we take a stand on what's right here. And the early church is going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. Let them know they need Jesus, right? Well, listen to this. This is A.D. 177 by Athenagoras. And Athenagoras of Athens, he addresses in an honorable letter written to the emperor, okay, uh, Marcus Aurelius. And he writes this, that we as Christians, he says, quote, regard the very fetus in the womb as a created being and therefore an object of God's care. He goes on to say, those who use drugs to bring on abortion commit murder and will have to give an account to God for the abortion. That's 177, guys. Okay. Minutius Felix, a Christian lawyer from, South, uh, from North Africa, Christian lawyer from North Africa, uh, he was addressing, he wrote, uh, he practiced law in Rome though, but he wrote this, listen to this. There are some women who by drinking medicinal preparations extinguish a source of the future man in their very bowels and thus commit, a, uh, commit murder before they are brought forth. To us, meaning believers, it is not lawful either to see or hear of homicide. Now Tertullian, who many credit as coming up with the term Trinity, uh, I mean, he literally writes, among surgeons' tools, he says, there are certain instruments which is formed with nicely adjusted flexible frame for opening the uterus, first of all, and keeping it open. Then he goes on to describe in a very grotesque way, which I'm not going to read, uh, a brutal abortion. You guys realize when you look at pharmakeia, when you look at 22.15, and this is why I settle on this verse for a little bit, it's talking about those who are not entering the city. And we have to realize that's all kinds of people around us. And our hearts have to break, not just for what they're doing, but for where they're going. Amen? That was us before we got saved. And, and, and we should have compassion on them remembering where we came from. I was so lost before I became a Christian. Thank God he was patient with me. I want to be patient with people that are lost. But I also want to reach them. You don't reach them by just saying, well, hopefully they get it. Well, how are they going to get it? The early Christians were standing up. Amen? And by the way, the best way, well, let me just read this. This is, this is, this is called Eve's Herbs. Or if you are in England listening, Eve's, Eve's Herbs. But Eve's Herbs, a history of, we laugh, but I think they came up with the language first, right? <laughs> uh, Eve's Herbs, or Herbs, a history of contraception and abortion in the West. It goes through the history of abortion in this book. The guy that writes it is pro-abortion. He's upset in his book, and he goes through, it's, this is published, by the way, guys, by Harvard University Press. And it goes through the history of abortion, and he really has a hard time with Christians because Christians in the, in the early centuries of the church are what put an end to, or made it illegal, eventually, 
to abort your child in the Roman Empire. Don't think you can't have influence. His name is John M. Riddle. And the synopsis of the book by the publisher, I guess, says John M. Riddle showed through extraordinary scholarly sleuthing that women from ancient Egyptian times to the 15th century had relied on extensive pharmacopoeia or herbal abortifacients and contraceptives to regulate fertility. In Eve's Herbs, Riddle explores the new question if women once had access to effective means of birth control, like murdering babies, why was this knowledge lost to them in modern times? Riddle reaches a startling conclusion. While it did not persist in a form that was available to most women, ancient knowledge about herbs was not lost in modern times, but survived in coded form, persecuted as witchcraft in centuries past, and prosecuted as a crime in our own time. The control of fertility and herbs of Eve's herbs has been practiced by Western women since ancient times. Wow. And what Riddle states in this book is that this chain of knowledge, right, whereby you can murder your babies through herbs and so forth, pharmacaea, was broken because of Christianity. Just like when you think of the whole issue with the whole issue with uh, slavery. You know how many atheists, oh, well, the Bible mentions slavery, it talks about slavery. Yeah, there was slavery all over the world. In fact, God condemns also in Exodus, you don't kidnap somebody and make them your slave. God stood against the, his word stands against the Atlantic slave trade, taking people from another land or buying them. Now, if somebody owed you money, okay, They'd put them in debtor's prison, but guess what? There's a better alternative. I owe you a bunch of money. I don't want to go to prison. I'll, I'll, I'll work for you. Became an indentured servant, a slave. Or when there was wars, you could wipe everybody out because these people are trying to kill you. Or you could say, hey, we're going we're to make sure that you don't form a group and kill us again, and you're going to work for us. And God's looking at the evils in the world that are already there, and he's regulating them to a degree. But Paul, you read the book, Apostle Paul, he talks uh, with Nephorus and Philemon. He talks about if you can become free, do it. Well, Christians continue to pray about it, but it was Wilberforce in Britain, John Wesley, major forces, the Christian abolitionists here in our country and over there, they stopped it before we did, eventually stopped here. What about the Christians that were all for slavery? That sla- well, it wasn't very Christian of them. I don't judge their hearts. That's between them and God. But I praise God for John Wesley and guys that stood up against it. Amen? Now, and by the way, in the 313, there was the Edict of Milan, under Constantine, the emperor, who claimed to be a Christian. And that's disputed as to how sincere he was. He didn't get baptized until, he said he's held up his baptism until he dies, and uh, so forth. But the Edict of Milan in 313, the church is pretty young still, uh, Christianity became legal. Because under certain emperors, Christians could be killed. Under Domitian, Nero was having Christians killed, you know, um, a lot of these emperors killed Christians, made it totally illegal in the state of Rome. Which was a good thing in a lot of ways, praise God. But when the church wasn't persecuted anymore, they started compromising a lot. But guess what? The century after that, it was, then became unlawful because the Christian influence in Rome it became unlawful to rape a slave, which was lawful because they were property under Roman law before that. It became unlawful to murder a slave. And guess what else became against the law? Murdering your baby in the womb became illegal. And that's what Riddle's book is about. He's ticked off that people, you know, 
This is crazy, but it's interesting. This book comes off as virtuous. This is a good thing. You can murder your little baby. It's just, and the name of scholarship is very, very heartbreaking. Now, this is another part for another time. I have all kinds of arguments on how to deal with arguments on abortion, and I'm just going to skip all those another time. But I want to encourage you guys uh, to, we've got, we got about seven, eight minutes left, eight or nine minutes, and I just want to encourage you guys, uh, when it comes to murder, watch your own attitudes, because you're like, man, I never killed anybody. I'm glad I'm not a murderer, but you hate people. You wish they were dead. You have unforgiveness and anger. You've got to be careful. You've got to repent of that. Because Jesus said, you know, if you say raka to your brother, right, and you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. And John says, no, he talks about hating your brother too. He says, no, murder has eternal life in them. Amen. So if you're dealing with anger or bitterness or a murderous heart towards somebody, go to the Lord and say, Lord, have mercy on me because I deserve death. And you died for that person who I'm struggling with who's been mean to me or hurt me or took something from me or you know, spoke evil of me, pray for them, amen? She says, pray for those who persecute you and those who despitefully use you, amen? So as Christians, we can't sit our hands and say, praise God, Joe, man, show how wrong abortion is. Yeah, go for it and realize, wait, we might be a murderer right here, sitting here today. And John says, no murderer has eternal life in them. He's talking about the context of just hating people. Because just like if you're a man and you're constantly, you know, you're like, you know, involved in pornography, but you, and you refuse to repent, but you're like, well, I didn't actually do it. Jesus says, you lust for a woman like that, it's, it's adultery, right? Same thing if, you, if you're doing it in the heart. If I bow down before a statue of Buddha, that's idolatry. But if I don't have a statue to bow down, but I visualize him and I praise an image that I've created in my mind, created in my mind that's still idolatry. And the same thing is true with murder. You see how that works? So we have to check our hearts. The Lord looks beyond your physical behavior and he looks at your heart what's your heart behavior what would you be doing if you could get away with it there's serial killers out there that never killed anybody but in their hearts they want to kill a bunch of people and they dream about it they just don't they're afraid they won't get away with it their hearts the same as bundy's or jeffrey dahmer's perhaps even worse maybe maybe they want to kill even more people i don't know but and i don't think that's anybody here thank jesus but what we could be going on here is you got to make sure that you don't have a heart where you wish people were dead and you hate on them and you use bad language when you describe them or you just talk evil of them don't do that that's not good also so repent of that by way of application make sure you look at your heart examine yourself and say lord give me a heart of love and start praying for the person you may have been really hurt by someone really hurt and they really do deserve death the lord said don't repay evil for evil vengeance is mine saith the lord amen but pray that their heart would get right with god and they'd be healed amen and when you pray for somebody like that it's it's amazing what god does in your own heart he brings healing to your own heart. Amen? And then pray for them. Well, I don't feel it. It's okay because Jesus probably didn't feel like staying on the cross. In fact, it was very painful. In fact, he prayed, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. But love is a choice. Amen? You choose to love people. Amen? Teach your children to abstain from sexual sin. A lot of people talk about abortion being wrong and everything, but they don't deal with the root causes. And I'm telling you right here, the reason I point out to you that pharmacia is right there with sexual immorality 
and murder is because they go together. Do you understand that? It's pretty heavy, huh? That's why I pointed that out. Well, guess what? A lot of pastors will talk about, yeah, abortion is wrong, but guess what? They don't want to touch sexual morality sometimes. We need to make sure that we are ourselves examples to our children. If you're married, that you're faithful to your wife. If you're a young single woman or a young single man, that you remain celibate until you get married or maybe you have the gift of singleness, which is, Paul says, even better. Paul was single and he did so much for the kingdom, amen? So uh, as the Lord leads you, but the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 4, that God will judge those who are involved in fornication because he says when you fornicate with another person, you're defrauding them, you're ripping them off. And also, can you, I mean, a man... I mean, I had a husband and wife from a big church here in town come to my house, and they're, or not my house, I met with them at a restaurant, and I just met them, they came to church, and I'm like, and they're asking me, we want to marry each other really bad, will you marry us? I'm like, well, what's your story? And I got to make sure you have grounds, or, or make sure that you can marry. And they're, they're going to the same church with their spouses. They meet each other in Sunday school, they teach a Sunday school together, and they fall in love, and they want to get married. And I'm like, What? I was appalled they asked me to marry him. I'm like, why did you come to me? I don't have that reputation. I didn't say I don't have that reputation. I go, hey, why did you come to me? And he said, well, she said she knows you're a conservative pastor, and if you say yes, then she'll do it. I'm like, no, you know, no way. And what happens is people have babies they don't want when they get involved in those relationships, and then they abort them. Even a lot of professing Christians kill their babies. That's so unbiblical, so wrong. It's murder. But guess what? Don't sleep around. The Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Amen? So we have to make sure that we're, if you're married, be a one-woman man. Amen? One man, woman, dedicated to your spouse. The Lord says he'll avenge all these things in 1 Thessalonians 4. So that's very, very serious. Treat, teach your children about true healthy sexual relations as they get older and they start thinking about those things. Proverbs has a lot to say about that and how a man who seeks after a woman and hunts her down or she seduces him is like an ox being led to the slaughter. What my kids have heard from me for years, and you've heard it here if you've been up blessed hope anytime soon, I love to use a fireplace. Fire is beautiful in a fireplace. Warm, beautiful, romantic, sweet, man. But man, that fire outside that fireplace, climbing up your walls, burning their sofa down, destroying your house is deadly. <laughs> Sex inside the marriage bed is undefiled. Sex outside of what God's created it for causes death. And sexual immorality is a lot of what's at the root of millions of babies being killed. And we can't sever what's joined together and act like it's not. So we as pastors, we as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to walk our talk and we need to be examples and we need to also let people know, teach your children to stay away from sexual sin, but you better be making sure you're staying away from sexual sin. And at the same time, praise God, I want to encourage you because uh, right now, this, we live in really, really ugly times and there's things to celebrate right now too. Praise God, Roe versus Wade as a national law was shot down. We need to give thanks to the Lord for that and say, praise you, Jesus. We've been praying for that. We've worked for it. So why wouldn't we give thanks? But you know, there's all kinds of things happening right now. They sacrifice their children to the demon gods, Moloch and Baal. And God says, this has never come into my heart. It broke God's heart. But right now, we're sacrificing our babies. They would do it so they would be blessed by their demon gods. We're sacrificing babies in mass and using, they're doing gene editing with aborted babies. 
They're taking the scalps of the heads of these little babies and sticking them on hybrid mice to, to experiment with them. They're putting them, they're, they're, they're fusing humans with monkeys to a degree to bring forth organs that we can use. We're sacrificing children, and out of those sacrifices, it's so we can be blessed and we can find different diseases, you know, and, and so forth and fight them. So we, at the expense of them, could have life and be blessed. That's all wicked. But I'll tell you what, it's all a wicked perversion. You know why? Because Eve was woke, and then the descendants of Eve, Eve's herbs, isn't that interesting? Eve's herbs, the descendants of Eve, this is my body, I can, I'm God, I can do what I want with my baby. Not baby has its own DNA, has its own sexuality. Woman with a boy in her doesn't have the male genitalia. It's its own person. But guess what? It's my body, I can do what I want, I can sacrifice this baby for my own well-being in the future. That's the reverse of what Jesus did. He says, this is my body. He's not a person trying to be God. He's God that becomes a man. He says, this is my body, which is broken for you. He sacrifices himself for us. The exact opposite. Isn't that amazing? And this whole, this is my body, it creeps me out when I hear that. It's like, that's like right from communion, but reversed. Man becoming a God to serve himself by the sacrifice of others, where God became a man to sacrifice himself for us and said, this is my body broken for you. So we can be forgiven. In that light, praise God for his example. Let's pass out communion. Can we all please stand?